This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, August 17th, 2014. Connection World Amusement Park, The Roller Coaster. How many people like roller coasters? All right, a lot of you. How many people do not like roller coasters? A lot of you, so this message is for everyone. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. My name is Carrie Jones. And my name's Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for today and for this message that you have for us. Lord, uh, through it, I pray that we're encouraged and we feel loved and sense your peace and mercy and all those things that only you can give. So we give this time to you now in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody here said amen. amen. Welcome to Connection World's Amusement Park. Every August we do something a little bit out of the box, a little bit fun. And so today and for the next two weeks following this, we are doing this fun series on amusement parks and how they might correlate to life as a Christ follower. Today, we're talking about taking a ride on a roller coaster. But you know, it's not all fun and games here at Connection Church, so we're going to do a teachable moment here. The history of the roller coaster goes all the way back to the 17th century Russia, 17th century Russia, specially constructed hills of ice as high as 80 feet with as much as a 50 degree drop. They were reinforced with wooden supports, especially popular with what was then the upper class in Russia. Russian mountain remains the term, this is interesting, the remains the term for roller coaster in several languages like French, Italian, Portuguese, and Spanish. So in Spanish, the word for roller coaster is La, la Monta Montaña Rusa the mountain Russian. There's been a lot of innovation and variation in roller coasters from that first Russian mountain all the way to the Smiler. The Smiler, the roller coaster with 14 inversions that was built in the UK in 2013. The, the one thing they all have in common is roller coasters go up and they go down. Amen. Ups and downs. Well, that's life, isn't it? Ups and downs. Oh, the ups are so fun and they're so exciting. And the downs are so challenging and so demanding and um, too much up. I mean, all the ups, it's like fantasy land. All the downs, well, they're pretty bad. Really, really tough, really, really hard. But how do we know when we're up or how do we know when we're down if we're always like this? So you gotta have one to have the other, don't we? Ups and downs. You know though, sometimes we think as Christ followers that Jesus is gonna take away those downs out of life going to make it a little smoother, going to perhaps make it less challenging. And, and I'm not sure where we get that because when we read through Scripture, Jesus never makes that promise. 
He never makes the promise that I'm going to take the challenges out of life, that you're not going to have any more downs, that you're not going to find... If anything, in fact, as a Christ follower, you guys have been following Jesus for a while, I think I'm going to get an amen on this. If you're a Christ follower, often there's more up and down than there was otherwise. Can I get an amen? Thank you. So today we're going to look at a story in the Bible, and it's found in the book of John. John is in the second half of the Bible. It's called a gospel, the good news of Jesus. And we're actually going to look at John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, great, or you can use your smartphones, or we also will have the scripture on the screen. Today's lesson comes from John chapter 11, and it's about a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Lazarus was sick. Now, they live in Bethany, and so, um, you know, he and his sisters all live together, and the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, this family, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, weren't just acquaintances with Jesus. They were like tight, close, personal friends. They did life together. You see, this was the place, their household was where Jesus would come when he needed a break, when he needed a rest, you know, that, that pressure of the world. From what we read, it was a safe place for Jesus. So they had a bit of a different relationship than other places. And when the sisters referred to their brother as the one Jesus loves, when we look in the Bible, we have to do some translation. The word love actually is translated in three different ways in the Greek. This particular love means philia, or brotherly or sisterly love. The one you love, like a brother, is sick. So we can see that it's a very close relationship that Jesus has with his whole family. Mm. When um, he heard this, that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he, Jesus, heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Hmm. All right, so love is translated differently in this, how Jesus loved Martha and Mary. You see, it's with agape love. That's a Greek word for love, agape. But this type of love is unconditional love, a no-strings-attached kind of love, a love that the love that God has for us. A love that was deep enough that compelled God to send his one and only son for us, for each one of us, to sacrifice his one and only son for each one of us. And so that's what makes the next part of this scripture so perplexing. So kind of like, what? Because then we read, so, oh, Jesus loved Martha. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, say the next line with me. He stayed where he was two more days. What? What is that about? He hears that Lazarus is sick, and so he decides to stay where he's at for two more days. 
Why in the world would he do that? That doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, if somebody we loved was sick and we were able to go, wouldn't we immediately like drop everything and go? I'm thinking of my kids, for example, when they were in school. If we got a call from the nurse, we, or one of us anyway, if we possibly could, we would go to, to pick them up. Uh, not that little snipple. I mean, if they were sick. No, if they had a little well, snipple, I would go. Snipple. You know? <laughs> I mean, think about this. <laughs> I called Carol and I said, yeah, I got a call from the school, and uh, one of the kids was sick, uh, Aaron, Megan, Devin, Turner. One of the kids was sick, and um, I got to call at 11, but to let them know how much I love them, I waited till 1 o'clock to go on in and pick them up. I, th I thought they would know how much I cared if I waited those three hours. Can you imagine the other side of that conversation? <laughs> well, I would have heard on, when, if, if that was my approach to showing them how much I loved them. Um, so, just for the record, Alan, now we might get calls about Jacob or Harper. Same deal. I know, deal. we're dropping everything. Same I deal. Know. Okay. Know. Even faster. Grandkids. I got it. Um, when they were sick, it became numero uno on the important scale. So, uh, why would Jesus wait? Now, why would Jesus, and why would we have to wait for Jesus? But sometimes we do, don't we? Sometimes we wait for Jesus. Uh, maybe you've had to wait for Jesus. And waiting for Jesus can be a very difficult thing, can it? Uh, Especially if it's not just hours or days, like in this case, or weeks. But what if we have to wait for years? And, 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 and in the case of Lazarus, he waits because Jesus loves him. <laughs> What's that all about? What is that all about? Courtney, I just need to say you're in that category too. We'll pick you up if you get sick. Okay, gotcha. Just didn't want you to worry about that. Okay. <laughs> what is Jesus telling us here? What do we need to learn from this? Well, perhaps Jesus loves us so much that when we snap our fingers, he doesn't just jump when we say jump. Or that he doesn't say how high when we snap our fingers and say jump. He loves us so much that here's the hard part, that He's going to do what's best for us. That's, a, that's hard in spite of what we would want him to do. In spite of it. That he loves us so much that he's going to do what's best for us in this big picture. We don't see the big picture. And it's really, it's really tough when you're on the receiving end because we want it to be in our own little field of focus. And Jesus loves us so much, but Jesus is not controlled by us and lets us know that in a number of ways. In the case of Lazarus, Jesus made the decision that it was better for him to wait two days before he set out. When Mary and Martha said, jump, come on, hurry up, he said, nope, going to wait two days, and here's why. In order to show the glory of God, in order to show the glory of God, in order to show what God is capable of. So when Jesus got there, found out that, that Lazarus had died, and 
had already been in the tomb for four days. You got to realize in those days, they didn't embalm, and the, the, the Hebrews didn't embalm the body. I mean, it's, it's basically just a dead body in the tomb for four days. And when, um, when she heard Jesus was coming, Martha, she went out to meet him, very distraught. And she said this, she said, if, if only you'd been here. If only you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. If only Jesus had been there. If only he'd been here, he wouldn't have died. If only he'd been there. If only, if only, if only. Maybe you've said that once or twice in your life. If only. Maybe you've said it to Jesus. If only, if only you'd been here. If only you'd been here, I, I wouldn't have lost a job. If only. If only you'd been here, I wouldn't have lost my friend. If only. If only you'd been here, I, I wouldn't have lost my health. If only you'd been here. If only. Sooner or later, every one of us has this if only. Sooner or later, we just wonder, Jesus, you know, if only you'd like, done something different. It really would have been a different outcome. Jesus, if you had stepped in like I asked you to, you know, if only, if only, Jesus, you offered this helping hand when I really, really needed it in this particular situation. If only you'd done what I asked you to do. If only. Mm. If only you'd stepped in Jesus. We wouldn't have lost those two babies while they were still in Carrie's womb. If only you'd been there. If only my dad didn't have cancer. Especially now, while I'm still reeling from the death of my mom. If only. Hmm. The other sister, Mary, she goes out to meet Jesus, and, and just like Martha before her, she says to him, if only you'd been there, my brother wouldn't have died. And when he saw her crying and those around crying, well, we get the shortest verse in Scripture. Jesus wept. He cried too. And the people who were gathered there, they wondered why this man, why this miracle man, why this preacher man, why this man of God who could give sight back to a man who'd been born blind, why, why couldn't he have been there and kept Lazarus from dying? So Jesus came to the grave. The grave was like a, a cave kind of a cave, and there was a stone rolled across the front of that cave. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Foreshadowing Jesus, possibly. Um, anyway, he tells the people to roll the stone away from this opening. Mary warns them, you know, he's been gone, he's been in there for four days, and he tells her that if she believes, she will see the glory of God. 
So they take away the stone. Jesus looked up to heaven, thanking God. That's a model for us, looking up to heaven, thanking God. And then he says, roll it away. And he says, Lazarus, come out. The dead man comes out. I mean, can you imagine this now? The dead man comes out, hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, a cloth around his face. Jesus told the people to take off the grave clothes and let him go. I often wondered, have wondered what it must have been like to have been in that crowd that day. When Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come out, you're thinking, what's this guy, a nutcase? And then, and then the guy you saw buried four days before walks out of the tomb, out of the cave. Man, that, that must, that's just incredible what it must have been. What, what must it have been like for Martha and Mary? What do you think it was like for Lazarus? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Man, what a roller coaster ride. From the very low to the very high and all points in between, you know? They wondered where Jesus was in their time of need, why, why he hadn't come <coughs> when they thought he should, why he hadn't allowed their, why he'd allowed their brother to die. Just like us, <laughs> they knew what they wanted, and they wanted it now. But sometimes God says, wait, wait. And the result of the waiting, they were able to experience God in all of his glory in the person of Jesus Christ. They got to experience God's saving power in Jesus as well as those who were there, right around them. They got to see Jesus at work. Mm. Sometimes God says, wait, you know, we had three glorious children in about four and a half years. And then we had two miscarriages, and I, I still don't know why. Not sure I ever will, but I don't know why. And we just wanted a fourth child. Not a boy, not a, just wanted a fourth child. And we had to wait. We had to wait seven long years through two miscarriages, seven years. What a wait. But it was well worth the wait. Amen. Well worth the wait when Turner showed up. Well, I've seen God's glory. Dad had his first chemo treatment on Wednesday. Very aggressive treatment for a very aggressive cancer. Here's God's glory. For 72 hours, the only side effect he's had is being sleepy. For 72 hours, I call that God's glory. I call it God's glory. Whatever God does today does not take away what happened in the past 72 hours. If he's throwing up like crazy tomorrow, that still doesn't take away God's glory that I've already seen. We had the pleasure of seeing a guy named Mark Lowry who 
he used to sing, I may still sing with the Gaithers, but he's a, just a brilliant Christian comedian. We love his comedy. And he said in this one show we saw, he said, you know, life, it was just like we're talking about today, life's kind of like this, right? He didn't say roller coaster, but life is like this. And you know, Jesus said, I came to bring you life more abundantly. <laughs> yeah, can I get an amen to that? That's the roller coaster we're talking about today, the roller coaster you and I get to ride on. So I want to quote from one of our favorite authors, Craig Barnes. <laughs> when God interrupts, finding new life through unwanted change. Here's his response to the story of Lazarus. Sometimes life gets overwhelming, and we realize we could use a little help. So we pray for our health to get better, for our marriage to work out, for success in our work that has taken a turn for the worse. There's nothing wrong in praying for these things, but they are not what our salvation is about. Don't expect Jesus to save us by teaching us to depend on things we are afraid of losing. He loves us too much to let our health, marriage, or work become the savior of our lives. He will abandon every crusade that searches for salvation from anything or anyone other than God. So he delays. He watches as we race down dead-end streets. He lets our mission du jour crash and burn. Say the rest with me. To receive Jesus as Savior means recognizing him as our only help. Not our only help for getting what we want, but our only true help. When we ask for a Savior, we are not asking for a boost. We are asking for a miracle. We cannot discover that miracle until Lazarus is dead. And so, life is a roller coaster at times, as you well know, with its ups and downs. Hmm. And sometimes it's much more of a roller coaster than we want, than we would like, than we feel that we can possibly handle. And so, and so we turn to Jesus. And we hope and we pray and we expect Jesus to deliver us from those, especially the downs, <clears throat> to take them away, to keep them from happening in the first place. And we at times get upset when Jesus doesn't do what we want him to do, when he doesn't deliver like we expect him to deliver, when he doesn't live up to our expectations, or rather live down to our expectations of we, what we thought a Savior would be, of what we thought a Savior should be. And as Martha and Mary found out, Jesus is not here to do what we want him to do and what we tell him to do. He's not here to live, as I said, up to or down to our expectations of him. Jesus is here for one purpose, and that's to love us. Jesus is here to love us, to love us so much and he loves us so much that he won't be controlled by what we think we need, by what we think he should do, by our self-centered views of what's going on. 
Jesus is here to love us, knowing what's best in spite of what we think is best. So the question is this, it's pretty basic. Actually, it's at the crux of everything. Do you believe that Jesus loves you? <laughs> Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, came for you? That God loves so much that he sent his one and only son into the world to live and to die and to rise again for each one of us. We said it last week, if you were the only one here, he would have done it for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can take your hurts and your habits that just bind you and help you through them and actually release you from all that? Do you believe that there's, if there's an area of healing that you need in your life, do you believe that Jesus can do that? He can, because he loves so much. He came for you. That's the bottom line. He came for you. He might call you out of the grave, so to speak. He's called me out of the grave, certainly not physically, but spiritually, he's done it. How about you? He can take those dead places, those places where we find ourselves in the grave, so to speak, and give us new life because that's what he's all about. New life, and that's because he loves us that much. Do you believe it? We do. We do. You do. Who else? No, don't raise your hand. I don't want to threaten anybody. Like, I don't want to say. So, we pray that you believe that or actually consider that that just might be the truth. If you want to pray about that with someone, I've got some prayer warriors over on that side of the church, just go back and say, what in the world was she talking about? I want to talk to you about it. You can come up on the steps and pray. You can pray from your seats. Go home, think about all this. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. That's the truth. Let's live it. Let's believe it. Let's pray. God, um, pretty simple message. You love us, but why is it so hard for us to accept? Well, life's ups and downs sometimes confuse us. And sometimes when we're in that spot where we wonder why and what if and where were you, it might even cause us to question your love for us. Forgive us for that. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And God, there's nothing that you can't handle in our lives. Our grief, our sickness, our disappointment. I could say a hundred things. There's nothing that you can't handle, Lord. So thank you for that. And thank you for joining us together today to worship you, to hear your message found in John chapter 11, and to... Um, be able to pray and think about you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody gathered said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 
378-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.